Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How you doing today? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. Throughout all ages, and we're here to look at everybody's worldview and see where you stand as we weigh out truth with history, science, philosophy, and theology, and the world that we live on, the reality that we live in, and does it make sense? Today we will be on our third part talking about contradictions in the Bible. The more that we get into this, the more that I'm able to see that people take a verse or two and they want to point out the indifferences instead of looking at the values of what it's actually saying as you put the stories together. I've always heard that when you have witnesses of a car wreck or of an airplane wreck or even of a train wreck, whatever it may be, The witnesses will come and they'll all get most of the details right, but then they have this advantage, or in their head, they have this presupposition that they're trying to get across in their storyline, and so you'll hear that come from them. And I can see that time and time again, as we look at the gospel writers, that they have a reason why they tell the story or the historical account like they are doing. So let's get into this as our conversation will be contradictions. Today, I want to start off talking about the possessed man with the devils in him. And we read this in Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And what the critics will say is that uh, Matthew speaks of two possessed men, and Mark and Luke speak of one. But I want you to take a look at this, because as I read it, you can see that um, Mark and Luke are pointing to what they want to point to, and Matthew is just pointing to a story and not really get into the end of the details of what's going to take place. Mark 5 one through three, and it says this, Then they came to the other side of the sea, that is, the disciples and Jesus, on a boat, to the country of Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So here, right off the bat, we see that it is a man with an unclean spirit. Not one man But not only one man, or not just a man, but just in the sentence, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. 
And then we get the Luke account. The Luke account is chapter 8, verse 26 to 28. And this is how it reads. He stepped out on the land, and there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in a tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. So we get this view from Luke. More being said, more being done towards Jesus. And then as we get to the end of the story, we're going to find out here why Mark or Matthew uh, says what he says. Let's read Matthew's account, Matthew eight twenty-eight, and up to verse 29. It says, When he had come to the other side, to the country of Gergeneses, there met him two demon-possessed men. So now Matthew brings out that there is actually two demon-possessed men there, coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? And so we read Matthew's account, we see that it's actually two uh, men that have demonical spirits in them. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they speak of just one guy. But if you're reading it and you're trying to find contradictions, was it one or was it two? Uh, I think we can leave it as the story has put it so far. There was two of them. One did one thing and the other did the other. But who it was or which one, we don't know. And as we get into the end of the story, here is the reason. I would say here is the context why you get one story and the other one just comes to a quick halt. So we read here with Matthew's account. Listen how it goes at the end of the story with these two guys. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything. So here were these uh, shepherds, or these men holding the flocks of swines. And they saw everything that happened, and they went to go tell the city what had happened. So here's how it goes. Then those who kept the flock fled... And they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And that's just the end of the story there with Matthew's account. But in Luke's account, in Mark's account, we get a more detailed story, and it goes like this. It says here in Mark five eighteen, And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed, so he who had been demon possessed he got into the boat after god cast after jesus had cast out the spirit out of him the demonic spirit he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him however jesus did not permit him but said to him go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. And so as we look at this story, we see that one of the men possessed, 
actually wanted to go and be Jesus' disciple and go with him on the boat. And Jesus says, no, you go back to your city and you tell the city all that I've done for you. And so we can see why Mark and Luke wanted to tell the story of a single demon-possessed man, but not of the not of the two men that were possessed. But Matthew wanted and wanted to tell that story and came to an abrupt halt. And uh, that's okay. But guess what, guys? At the end of the day, no contradiction. Two narratives, Mark and Luke, were focused on the man that spread the gospel message. Matthew kind of brought it to a halt. When we get into our second contradiction, it was, when was Jesus' ascension? The critics would say that there's a contradiction with the ascensions. The reason why there isn't a contradiction is because no one really says anything about how many days or detailed information about when he left and what hour he left or what time he left or what day he left. And so we have in Luke twenty four fifty it says, and he led them out as far as Bethany. So we know that Jesus led out the disciples out as far as Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And then in Mark sixteen nineteen we read, So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So, so far we have Luke and Mark. You know what? Let me read John. Even though it doesn't mention it, I'm going to read the piece that it talks about. At least, it at least gives a number. Uh, it says here, eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors have, having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be to you. But John, he doesn't mention the ascension. He just says that, that Jesus met up with them eight days later from some other event. It's when we get to Acts 13.31. And it reads this, And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee, to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. So again, it talks about for many days he appeared to them, but it doesn't talk about the ascension. And then we get to Acts 1-3, which is the most detailed out of them all. And it says this in Acts 1-3, To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. And that's all we got, guys. And so where's the contradiction? There is no contradiction. He was with them for 40 days. We know that he told them to go wait for 10 days. He waited 50 days was the day of Pentecost, and that's when the Holy Spirit fell on them. But again, there is no contradiction. I, I don't know why the critic would even try to put this on their website about contradictions. So now we get to our third contradiction of the Bible. 
David. Now, David was told early on not to do a census. As a matter of fact, all Israel kings were told not to take a census that God would come down on you. And sure enough, we find in Second Samuel that David did a census. Now, the critic is saying this about the contradiction. They're saying, uh, was it seven years of famine or was it three years of famine? And there must be a contradiction. And so let's read these two verses where they say there is a contradiction. In Second Samuel twenty four thirteen, it says, So Gad, the prophet, came to David and told him and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or, he gets three choices here, David. Or, shall you flee three months before your enemies while they pursue you? Or, shall there be three days of plagues in your land? Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him who sent me. That was Second Samuel. So we'll talk about this more on our second half. Continue with us. Be a part of this as we get into the second half. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we'll see you on the second part. Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85 percent of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona, on K-Praise. How you doing? This is Joe Gaona with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. I'm glad you can be with us on this second part as we talk about contradictions. Well, we left off on the first part... It's either seven years of famine in Second Samuel or three years of famine in First Chronicles. Now, when we get to First Chronicles twenty one eleven, it says this. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose thee either three years of famine or three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtakes you, or else three days uh, the sword of the Lord, even pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. So really we're talking about it's either seven years of famine in Second Samuel or three years of famine in First Chronicles. And why is there a contradiction, the critic would say? Well, I think this is one of those times you got to take in more information. Again, complementary is we can take more information through the Word of God. And what we find out, instead of being on Second Samuel 24th chapter... You could actually go back two chapters, and here we'll begin to read what's going on. 
So it says at Second Samuel chapter 21, verse 1, Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So we see that a famine already had begun to take place. So what we do as Christians, we look at it and we say, okay, it was supposed to be seven years of famine, says Second Samuel 24. But we find out in Second Samuel 21 that there already has been three years. The prophet Gad recognized the land had been on a free fall of famine for three years already for Saul's sin. So it goes on to say this. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And he said it was because of Saul and his sin. And here we see Gad describing to David a total now of seven years of famine with no harvest. Here Gad begins to say, okay, David, so there's three years now. So we're going to give you a total of three more years. That would be seven years total. Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? I, we already know there's three years going on. We're telling you that there's going to be three more years. That would make it six years. So we need seven years, right? So this would be three years already from Saul, three years of famine from David, and then you got one year of no harvest. Why? Because every seventh year, the Bible tells us in Leviticus 25.4, But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, and a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow the field, nor prune the vineyard. So there would be no harvest on that one year. So you had three years coming from Sam, uh, from Saul. They're telling David, with those three years and another three years and a year of no harvest, that's going to be seven years of famine. You can choose that, or you can choose the, 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 the other two choices that God has given to you. And so we look at that and we say, oh, okay, that makes sense. There is no contradiction in that if you get the total information that you're supposed to have for what God, the prophet, was trying to tell David. And so we can see that the critic would be wrong in that area. Now I want to go to where the Peter had denied Jesus three times and the rooster crowed. The critic, the skeptic, would say, did the rooster crow one time or two times before Peter denied him three times? So we get a couple of verses here, right? Let's go through some of these verses. You got Matthew twenty six sixty nine, And listen how this reads. We're going to read about Peter denying and, and what's supposed to occur. Matthew, Luke, and John pretty much describe the same thing. It's Mark who gives a different analogy. Uh, just so you know, Matthew, Luke, and John, they talk about a rooster crowing one time. Mark talks about a rooster crowing twice. And so this is where the contradiction takes place. So let's read this. In Matthew 26, 69, verse 69, it says this, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, 
And a slave woman came to him and said, You too were the Jesus were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. That's one. And again he denied it with an oath. I don't know that man. That's two. And a little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, You really are the one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I don't know that man. And immediately, a rooster crowed. Now we go to Luke, Luke 22, chapter 22, verse 56. It says, And a slave woman seen him, he sat in the firelight and staring at him, said, This man was with him as well. But Peter denied it. I don't know him. And a little later, another person saw him and said, You're the one of the of those of them who were with them. He says, Man, I am not. And then Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about for the third time. And immediately, while he was still speaking the denial, it says the rooster crowed. So we see that Matthew and Luke are on the same page. Then we get to John. Now John... It's a little fascinating here, because listen what John says, what Jesus said it was going to happen. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Now, when Jesus said this, what Jesus is saying, when you deny me the third time, a rooster will crow. Jesus is not saying, like the the critic would say, that Jesus is saying, listen, not only in this town, but every town and around the world, no rooster is going to crow until you denied me three times. We know that's a farce. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is, is that, truly I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. On that third time, a rooster will crow. And we see that happening in Matthew and Luke. And we're going to see this happen in John. But I want to get to the critics view here on Mark. So let's read Mark 1466. This is fascinating how Mark writes this. It says, and while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the slave women of the high priest came But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are talking about. And he went out onto the porch. But again, he denied it. So here's his second time. And after a little while, the bystanders were again saying to Peter, You really are one of them, for you are a Galilean as well. But he began to curse and to swear, I don't know this man of whom you speak. And immediately a rooster crowed, A second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him, Before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he hurried on and began to weep. So the critic would say here, how can the the rooster just crow one time after the third denial, when we see here that Mark's saying the the, the crow's crowed twice already, right? So, let's read this again. Matthew, Matthew 26, 34. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. That's Matthew. That happened, right? In Luke, 
And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. We know that happened. Now let's get to John. Jesus replied, Will you lay down your life for me, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Jesus is not saying no rooster will crow till you deny me three times. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is a rooster will crow when you've denied me the third time. And from Mark, we know that a rooster crowed twice to fulfill what Jesus had said to him. So listen to Mark's account. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. So you need to see the picture. Jesus is not saying every rooster that's ever crowed during those five minutes or ten minutes or half hour or two hours or three hours, there were not going to be no other roosters crowing. This is not what he's saying. What he's saying is for Mark, Mark heard one rooster crow. Did he hear it when, when Peter denied him the first time? Or did he hear it when Peter denied him the second time? We don't know. We don't have that information. But we know one of those times, either the first denial or the second denial, he heard a rooster crow. Peter knew he hadn't denied Jesus three times yet. It wasn't until he denied Jesus the third time and heard that rooster crow immediately right after he denied him the third time. It all made sense to him. That yes, by the third by the third denial, a rooster will crow. Not one rooster, but a rooster will crow. So all the prophecy, everything that Jesus said came out to be true. That there was a rooster that crowed at the end of the third denial. And there was a second crow. There was a first crow before that. That was for Mark. Was that done on the first denial or the second denial? We don't have that information. But we know it happened on one of those two denials. But it was the third one that was to bring attention to everyone. And it did bring the attention to Peter for him to know he had denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed. No contradiction there. This is Joe, 1530. Apologetics, we'll see you next week. That's a take, and this has been Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. 